All right. Well, hello. Welcome to Derbs Talking About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about crafting orders from World of Warcraft. But before we do that, anyone want to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to play games. And I guess this is going to be like a really crunchy episode, all things considered. Um, you know, for, I guess, sort of the design problem. This really stemmed out of the Derpies, right? Which was last week. And in the Derpies, you highlighted crafting orders as... The system that should be great, which is not, which yeah, is bad, right? which, which isn't working, right? It's maybe yeah. it's maybe a more charitable way of putting it, right? Yeah, and so we've decided to sort of balloon that up to a whole ass episode, and we're gonna and we're gonna kind of uh, I don't know dig into the to the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah. So so you said that you had thoughts that you thought could could blow up into a whole episode. I, I think I, I can support that, but since you threw threw it out there, do you do you want to start? Sure. So the first thing I guess I want to do is just prepare people. If you're not a WoW person and you want to understand sure. kind of where we're talking about, here is the system in a nutshell. Okay. So what crafting orders do is it allows me as a player to bundle a group of materials, right? And then go to an, like a, a sort of marketplace and list those materials and say, Hey, I need a crafter in order to make these. Right. So for instance, I might need a belt. So I will go, I will get all of the materials of that belt. I will put it on into the crafting order marketplace in one of a couple of different ways. Um, and a crafter will see that on the marketplace and they'll say, ooh, I can do it. They'll select start order. They'll p they, they pick up the materials. They craft your belt for you. The belt gets sent back to you kind of automatically. Um, there's three kinds of crafting orders. You can have public crafting orders, which is anyone on the server, right? Everybody on the server can see these crafting orders, um, and everyone on the server can fill them. There are guild crafting orders, right, which is where you go, hey, is there anybody in the guild that can do X, Y, or Z? If so, boom, here's the crafting order. And then there are personal crafting orders, right, where I can specify a specific person, and I can go, hey, Mango, your character Billabong can make the special thing that I need. Okay, great. Here are the materials. Make it for me, please. Right. All of these include a commission. So there is an expectation that the crafter gets paid. The commission is is set by uh, the player when they deliver when they deliver the mats. Um, and uh, and the crafting orders like interface with a person's profession and the the different new stats that have been introduced in uh in some unique ways right so for instance um if i set a crafting order to you and you have a lot of resourcefulness resourcefulness will sometimes restore valuable reagents that get used in the process of crafting something so maybe your resourcefulness will proc and even though the mats weren't yours you get to keep them because it was your resourcefulness that proc them right um another you know, another stat that's really important is called inspiration, which is essentially like a crafting critical hit. Um, it's just a certain percent chance to craft the item as if you had more, you know, however many more skill, right? Um, and so something that you can do is re-roll an item, theoretically, right? Where you submit the same item to be recrafted a couple of different times in a row um, to see which one gets this sort of this sort of proc. Um, I guess the final piece of that that I want to mention is recrafting is also a thing where if I get a belt, but I want to, you know, I want to upgrade that belt, I don't need to get you all of the materials to build the, to build the new belt. All I need to do is submit a crafting order with new reagents sort of infused into the belt, right? So, for instance, if I, if I get a belt that's item level three, 386, 
I can submit it with a different set of reagents in order to get someone to recraft it to make it item level 400, right? Uh, sort of depending on the circumstances of uh, of all of that. I feel like that's about everything. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that you don't you don't necessarily have to send the materials along with it, um, but that 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 obviously makes less attractive to someone crafting because then they have to spend it out of their own resources and you you know material quality and whatnot but yeah yeah so and also to be clear just um when it comes to how crafting sort of works um crafting is sort of implemented in order to make high-end crafted gear something that is like uh desirable and capable for players so this has always been sort of an issue and a question wow players don't want you to be able to just buy the best gear right but in traditional circumstances in world of warcraft crafted gear has to be listed on the auction house it's really the only marketplace for it right either you take a um so for instance in battle for azeroth this is how blacksmithing worked if you were a blacksmith in battle for azeroth you could craft yourself really really good pants right you could craft the best quality pants and belt and it was really useful because you could guarantee the secondary stats on those two things right um in order to make sure that you were crafting something good but it was soul bound you couldn't sell it for a profit right um and in warlords of draenor right there was crafted item on the auction house or there there were crafted items crafted items on the auction house but you could only equip three crafted items at a time so maybe you go out of the auction house you buy three crafted items at the highest possible gear level well that's great but you also need the rest of your gear in order to sort of like fill that out the idea that somebody walks up to the auction house and they just buy a complete set of gear has always been one that the World of Warcraft community really balks against, right? They don't like the idea that anybody could just sort of essentially sort of pay cash in order to have the best gear in the game. Work orders get around this because when I submit my materials to you, some of those materials are soulbound to me, which is not a functionality that like has existed in other sort of places. Soulbound means that I can't trade this. It is bound to this this individual character but because through the crafting order menu i can put a soulbound reagent in there it means that i can be going and doing bosses right i can be doing really hard content in the game those bosses drop these soulbound reagents and then i bring them to a crafter in order to have them make the item with those reagents um uh, this means that in order for the person to get the highest level crafted gear, they do have to put a certain amount of the work in, right? Um, in order to sort of get that, that's that end, end goal payoff, right? Um, so I guess, okay, that is everything about crafting that I wanted to, uh, that I guess I wanted to explain up front. Um, since, since you sort of had, what, like, what would you say is your base problem with work orders? Um, the base, the, the fundamental problem with work orders is that, um, Nobody puts them up, right? Um, and that seems to be a bigger problem. Maybe this is a bigger problem for engineers, uh, although we do have, what, uh, headpieces and, and wrist pieces, right? So we do have things to craft for people. Um, and there's also, like, little things or, like, random things like Petzer and, um, like, the the soul capture thing um, mm. uh, and, like, fishing and, like, professional equipment, Um but uh, it seems like not a lot of people are, are putting them up. So much so that, um, one, I've got, like, our guild has, like, a handful of engineers that are just, like, trading workers with each other to get the weekly done. And <laughs> uh, two, I saw actually last week some guy put up, like, four or five orders for, bolt for, for, for like, bolts that he's, like, with, like, you know, minimum. Like, he put up the mats, too, and he's, like, if you need to get your weekly done, 
just do this. And it had like a five gold commission on it, right? Like, so, you know, um, and I, the only reason that's happening is because there's a weekly tie to it with your, with your per profession thing, right? If that wasn't important, then people wouldn't bother doing that. Um, but that's like, that is like the end state problem. But I think that like, there are several systemic things that lead to this being the case. Um, some of which you have identified previously, which is stuff like people only want to ask for the best crafted gear and you can't get there unless you like work in between. Right. Yep. Um, and that's the thing from, so fundamentally what, what I think, what I think the system is trying to do is back in the day, back in the good old days of classic that are like, you know, the halcyon days that kind of really didn't exist the way we, we imagined <laughs> to, which is the thing we talk about, right? Like yeah. you would spend hours and this isn't just in wow right i've done i did this in guild wars i've done this in several you know several different games you would stand in your town and you would spend hours maybe trying to sell stuff by spamming the trade chat right and i say spamming but like this is how you did it right every once in a while you you stand you stand in trade chat or you stand in the city and the trade chat you would say selling this or i can craft this or whatever or i've got this for sale right um and this was the only way because this was um pre-auction house or like i think there were more limits on the auction house back in the day and like some like you know like i said guild wars there wasn't an auction house and so you just stood in town and tried to sell dyes which is what i did um uh um but uh and some of that has like this like great player interaction component right you meet people you talk to them right you build a community um you get a reputation, you get reputations on the server, right? Like back in the, back in, back in classic, right? Back in cl when classic was wow, right? You would like know people on your server and they would have reputations for being particularly good for like being scammers or whatever, right? All that good stuff. And I think they want to bring some of that back. This is a thing just like, isn't compatible with modern quality of life changes that they've made to the game, which I think on balance are good, but you end up losing that kind of like server reputation community aspect, right? Unless you like are digging for it. Like the only way you get that is if you join a, an active guild like we have and you have your own community, but it's not like this organic bottom up community that you, that you used to get in like the old MMOs. Right. And I think crafting, like crafting orders are very specifically designed to kind of try and bring some of that back. Right. Public orders, you can't specify a quality. Specifically, I think, because they want you to get something crafted on a public order and be like, Baron did a good job with my helmet. I would like to reach out to him directly and get my artisanally crafted, you know, shoes, right? Like, um, and I think that's the, and I think that is the objective and it's not working. And that again, or, you know, again, that might be because we're on a tiny server, but it just seems to not be catching. Um, no, I will say I, this is a problem that I'm seeing all over the WoW community. I don't think it's just rooted in our server. Specifically, you know, I have friends on Emerald Dream, which is a much larger server, where um, where this seems to continue to be a problem. And, um, uh, like, larger discourse has been happening, you know, in all of the other sort of WoW community spaces that I have, that I have historically hung out in. So, yeah, I would definitely say that that is an issue. So, on the podcast uh, last week... I mentioned that I, I feel like it, this is a supply and demand problem, right? Which is that crafting orders flip the f supply and demand that have – so yeah, here's, what, here's what I think it happened. I bet whatever designer came in to do this, right, basically said, okay, here's what I want to do. I 
want to look at the way people use the auction house, right? And I want to reverse engineer that a little bit in order to build this system that su suffices the condition that I had created in the previous, you know, uh, when I was talking about how people don't just want to be able to buy your gear, right? You have to create a system that allows buyers and sellers to meet with one another that includes the ability to use a buyer's soulbound items in order to craft the piece of gear in the first place, right? Which means you can't use the auction house. On the auction house, you cannot sell soulbound stuff. I would not be able to sell a soulbound item on the auction house. Um, therefore, I'm going to need to find a you know, I'm going to need to find a, a situation where um, my buyer comes to me with his soulbound stuff and I use his soulbound stuff in order to craft this item, this item sort of specifically. So I think that was one condition, right? And they they settled on this, this system of crafting orders also to fulfill this sort of like social component. This is this is what I what I'm expecting happening, right? And I bet that they looked at the way that the auction house works which has a very hardcore sort of supply-demand dynamic, right? Where generally speaking, the supply and demand, you know, is it, it is a stable economy, if not necessarily always the best best economy, right? Um, for instance, awakened orders are worth quite a lot. There are there is low supply um, and and high demand. Uh, awakened fire, there's less demand for that, right? Um, there's uh and and there's a much larger and there's a much larger supply but at the end of the day if you need awakened orders you can always go find them if you need awakened fires you can always go find them on the on the, on the auction house right we have not collapsed you know the fundamental economy of of the game because there are still hundreds of thousands of awakened order being listed on the auction house at any given at any given moment it's just a matter of what price for those is sort of fair right because crafting orders have sort of reinvented this wheel a little, um, it has flipped the relationship between supply and demand that used to favor the crafter quite a lot, right? I famously made millions of gold in Shadowlands because I was a crafter who could craft every single legendary item in the game at the max possible quality right which which required a really heavy gold investment for me at the time i had to i had to put in a lot of gold in order to get to those max quality you know legendaries but once i had them i was essentially printing money because everyone needed those everyone needs a you know the 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 perception at the time is that these these pieces of gear were mandatory right you could not play the game unless you were using a super high-end um uh, a super high-end legendary and the perception at the time was also that um, uh, it was it was really hard in order to to make those legendaries, which was true, right? Because it it required this really huge sort of upfront um, that this really huge upfront investment. And because we're using the auction house, where I as the buyer list the item and I list it for a price that I choose, and the seller really you know that they just take the lowest on offer between multiple sort of buyers or whatever. I get to set my profit margins. If there is nobody else on the server who can do this thing, I list it for 100,000 gold, and I get paid 100,000 gold. I listed in the very first couple of weeks of Shadowlands, the very first legendary I ever made, I did not make for myself. I made it for the auction house, and I listed it for 400,000 gold, and somebody bought it, right? Which is an insane price, right? But it's all profit. It's pure profit, right? Because I get to set that. Crafting orders reverse that relationship because... It is the seller who lists the who who lists the item that they want crafted at 
the commission that they want to craft it at, right? You know, for instance, the commission that I have asked for most people and that I offer to most people, right, um, is 2,500 gold, which is much a much, much slimmer, you know, profit margin compared to what I was doing at, in, in Shadowlands. In Shadowlands, I was making tens of thousands of gold per legendary I was selling. I was selling multiple legendaries a day, right? Um, and this And this relationship means that all of a sudden, now you... If you are if you are the holder of a profession, you're really not actually making the money. The way to make money in Dragonflight is to just input materials at the bottom of the system, right? As you process the materials, they are worth less and less money, which is a weird phenomenon. But it's because the other thing that was different about Shadowlands was the investment required was all gold, right? The amount of the of the Investment required in order to make that super profitable rank five legendary was about seven hundred fifty thousand gold, five hundred thousand gold. Sometimes depends on when 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 in the expansion we're talking about it, which is just buying the materials, right? You just have to buy a huge amount of materials and then craft all the way up to that rank four legendary and just sort of put put the rest of them in the garbage because they're never going to sell, right? Um, in Dragonflight, the investment is time because all of the power comes in these knowledge points. The knowledge points are gated weekly. They're gated by, by weekly quests. They're gated by farming a resource for a bunch of times or whatever. And all, and all of that, uh, you know, and all of that stuff and all that kind of thing. And I just think that there are way more people who are willing to invest time into the game than there are willing to invest money in the game. And all of those things have created this really insane supply and demand problem. There's not a lot of demand for crafted gear. There is, uh, I, and, I, there, and there is a huge supply of people who enjoy professions and they want to level up their professions and they want to use their professions, but they have nothing to use them on because there just is no interest in actually using crafted, crafted sort of orders. Jesus Christ. That was like 80 minutes of talking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it, it's fine. So I, I've got a couple of thoughts coming off of this. Sure. Because, so one, I, I, I think supply and demand isn't quite right, but like, Effectively, I, I think what you're what you're getting at is that the supply of crafters has increased, right? Um, yeah. I, and so I think a problem that this, I think part of this is intentional, right? Like you said, you were making money hand over fist because you had the gold to invest at the beginning of of of, uh, of Shadowlands, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is like you know. Rich get richer type well, so, stuff. Uh, so to be fair, actually, that's technically untrue. I started with about seventy five thousand gold at the start of Shadowlands because I just bought the Brutosaur. Um, Sure. At the end of Battle for Azeroth, I spent all of my money on the Brutosaur, uh, and I basically had nothing in Shadowlands. But it was truly that first pair of pants at 400,000 gold. That was basically all profit, and I just went into further legendaries. And as I started making more and more legendaries and selling them for a profit, it just snowballed from there. Yeah, so so th there's that aspect, right? There's, there's like a rich-get-richer thing that I think they want to solve with that, right? Like they want to – they don't want – that to be, they want anybody to be able to kind of enter this market. Second problem: there's not a good mechanism for for crafters to enter their pricing information back into the into the thing, right? If somebody puts up something with like a fifty gold commission on it, right? There's no way for the seller, like the seller, I guess, could look up the name and like PM them and be like, "Hey, I'll do this if you didn't offer me like a shit price," right? Um, but there's not a real incentive for that to for that to even work because one, that's effort. Two, maybe somebody else will pick it up for the ship price. And I think this is a, the third part of that um, is that the weekly means that there are people willing to do things for shitty commissions, right? Your extra your extra knowledge point is worth a bunch, right? 
and that's what you get from fulfilling two to like they dropped it from five orders to two orders because because there aren't enough orders on the on the on the uh, on the uh, on the marketplace or whatever. Um, but that is worth enough to players that they like. Whereas otherwise, you could just ignore crafting orders, right? And just like not make money or whatever, right? Like if you have a reason to to do it, you'll go and do it even if the even if the margins are slim because you've because you've got a reason to, right? Um, yep. So I actually think that that weekly is like super destructive to the market on its own in a weird way. That um, actually is really insightful, and I don't know that I've ever heard it before. But I think I agree with you. I think the weekly is one of the bigger one of the bigger issues. I mean, like the barrier to completing a crafted order is already tiny, right? So, yeah. for instance, on I, I actually have two crafters at max right um i have both baron and tonric at 100 blacksmithing um but i still complete orders on them and the reason why is because why the fuck not it's yeah even, even, if it, even if it's five gold it's still five gold right like yeah exactly all all it requires me to do is to just check my work order thing if there's a public work order even if it's 500 gold, even if it's a thousand gold or whatever, that's all profit, right? On all I need to do is click start order and then create item and then complete order. It is three button clicks and 10 seconds of time in order for me to make that, in order for me to make that amount of gold, right? And if you've got high resources, um, this, you can even like get gold value and, you know, in, uh, in mats out of it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and because there's no barrier for me to fill that order, someone else who needed the skill ups and was looking to do it could not find it, right? Um, which is which is sort of which is sort of an issue. Yeah, I think I think I might describe the reason why I think this crafting order weekly is bad um, is because I think the proper in the proper water finds a crack way, right? Uh, the the proper way to do it is to just list it to yourself, right? The first thing I do on reset is I go on Bairn and I list crafting orders for all of my alts so that they can all just complete that work or that 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 weekly quest immediately, right? Um, and with you know with negligible mats for the item that is the cheapest mats, which for me is generally like bracers or something, right? Um, and uh, and that's it, you know, like that's that's, that's yeah. all, and that's all I'll even think to care and, about. And if it's not alts, right? Or if you don't have alts, like like I said. Our guild has like an engineering consortium that just like yep. sends each other orders for bolts, right? Which are items that we can use, right? But they're also like you know three severate or a piece or whatever, right? So, um, yeah, easy peasy, right? Um, uh, um, but so the other thing, the other thing that occurred to me as you were talking about this is something that I suspect is another design goal of this system. Um, why and why you don't want it on the open auction house beyond like the kind of like pay gold to win thing this basically gets rid of um this chain this and the and the kind of cross server materials thing gets rid of um uh like Im uh eliminates the financialization of the system right like if, if we compare this to the real world right like there are people who trade stocks right like professionally they don't they don't put anything super constructive into the system, right? They're making money off of like trading value, right? Um, and that's something that can happen. And wow, obviously it's at a much different scale. And there's not really real, or maybe there, maybe there is a real money concern involved, like a gold farming concern involved. But like you know, we used to talk about this, right? You buy out the mats when they're when they're low, and you relist them as high. I'm not like you know, if I if I last expansion, I saw like you know 
some mats going for way under market, I could buy them and relist them at the higher cost, right? All I did was make money. I didn't go collect resources. I didn't add any value to that process. I just made myself some money because I could play the market, right? Um, I guess the service I provided was liquidity to someone who wanted to sell their match cheap rather than try and get like a market price for them, right? Yeah. Which, you know, maybe has some value, maybe more in the real world, definitely not in World of Warcraft, right? Like that that is like basically useless to, to, to everyone. Yeah, um, in the real world, I would actually argue that that's actually a very good thing, economically yeah. speaking, right? Like yeah. the foundation of... Mo the modern economic system is based on the idea that a bank can both store your money, but then also lend out money in order to create margins for profit that are like, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. in World of Warcraft, it makes zero sense to have anything kind of along those lines. Um, in fact, it actually kind of makes negative sense because World of Warcraft is not a zero sum system, right? Where you, like the whole game is predicated on building value out of literally nothing i go and i kill a mob and it drops gold for me right that is that it, I, it gold just, from the ether right operates. yeah exactly yeah. right or or you know whatever I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gatherer and i fly around and there are mining nodes those mining nodes i'm just gonna i, I mine them that's that's pure gold that's, you, and that's what i'm saying you, you can't deforest you can't strip mine azeroth right like there will exactly. always be more exactly. ore. And, and nobody owns those nodes it's not like it's not like i need the prospecting i need to pay someone for the prospecting rights to the nodes in the waking shorts right i just fly down mine it move on sort of thing um and um and so yeah it is definitely a very a very different financial system and i do think that this is maybe where I will risk a controversial opinion. I think I would have a lot of friends who would shit on me for for it. Like I have a lot of friends who do give me guff, right, for the way that I played the auction house, um, for the way that I did I did legendaries in Shadowlands. I listed them at, at at big, you know, sort of profits because realistically, like if you're the kind of person who hates Elon Musk and Jeffrey Bezos because you know you have certain political beliefs about billionaires or whatever, I am the wow version of a billionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> In that situation, well, people so, so need you, legendaries in order to pay the game, and I am milking them dry in order to sell them to them. Right? I was, just, I was, um, so, so like selling legendaries, you're, at, you're at least like an Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Like, if, like, if as like someone who's just playing the market, you're like, what's it? You're like Goldman Sachs, or like yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> or like yeah, Warren Buffett, yeah. right? You are literally just trading like you know equities. You're not actually yeah. like at, le at least you're making the legendaries in that case, right? Like yeah, you know. true. I, yeah, but like there's a certain amount of people who would say that I am stiffing, you know, the little guy, yeah. Um, by uh, by by charging exorbitant prices um, for this stuff. And I would argue, I would argue, my prices were not, not all that exorbitant, and and you know, whatever, like part, what part the market of, will bear, right? For, yeah. First of all, anything the market will bear. And also, secondly, I also did not pay it. Like I did not charge any of my friends. We, I basically kept the entire guild, you know, kitted out in the best quality legendaries at no profit to myself. Cause I gave them away at cost. Um, so, so, you know, so rigorous was that system. I had a whole spreadsheet where I could just tell someone the exact amount of gold I needed in order to make the legend, like buy all the bets on the auction house and make the legendary, you know, kind of, um, kind of myself. But I would actually say that 
first of all, I don't think that the, the the politics matter at all because it's a video game. Yeah, right? yeah. you know, this, I I am not I am not buying and selling people's livelihoods. Right, the the housing market is not going to default based on my my actions. Right, or right. Whatever. Like this is this is a video game, and in the sense that it's a video game, part of it is about finding the fun. And I would argue that that was really fucking fun. And making eighteen million gold over the course of the expansion was a very fun use of my time, and I liked it quite a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's a very valid way to have you know, like you know in a greater bigger picture it's a very valid way to have fun right i think a lot of 4x games um city builders right all of these are similarly built on those kinds of principles right uh, i wouldn't necessarily want a you know like okay a 4x game being kind of like a political engine i don't want a single person in charge of my politics obviously i want democracy i think democracy is good right but for the purposes of having fun playing a video game you want to give that person as much dictatorial power as they possibly can have in order to you know expand their empire and and participate in conquest right this is it's the same sort of principle um and uh and i feel like i have been sort of directly attacked by this work order system right there is a category of players who used to have fun by managing sort of the markets of world of warcraft but i no longer really have that option because of the way that crafting orders have so thoroughly flipped the buyer seller relationship um and entirely favored sort of the seller yeah no i mean that that makes that makes uh that makes pretty per perfect perfect sense to me and i i think i agree with you right like I agree that it's perfectly valid to want to play the game that way. What I don't, not that I don't, um, I, it just seems to me like that's like a thing that they were they were targeting with this, right? Between this and the crossover mats, there's much less room to do those, those kinds of arbitrage games, which I agree with you. I used to have a lot of fun doing that too, right? Like that that's what I used to do in, in Guild Wars, right? Is I would stand, I would literally like jump between instances and find someone selling like a die that, that I knew I could get more for and like sell it high. Right. And that, there was fun in that. Right. That's also what I like to do in Eve whenever I, you know, hate myself enough to put 20 hours into that to remember <laughs> that I hate it. Um, but like that's, that stuff, that stuff can be fun, but it seems like, I, it seems like that's what was targeted. Right. Like, and like I said, maybe some of that is like the people, a lot, like there were a bunch of people who were doing this that were, that were gold farmers. Right. And like, maybe they, they wanted to put a tamper on that, but like, yes, this, that, directly hurts that kind of thing but i don't i don't think the work order system wanted to do wanted to hurt you as the legendary crafter right they wanted yeah. to hurt you as a stock market player right um yeah. or the auction house player i guess is the, the better way to put it um i just think this is so i think part of it i think it's, it's also like a it's a vicious cycle problem right last week as uh as, as rahe said in the chat right like part of the reason why work order like she doesn't want to put up or uh didn't want to put up work orders is um is to uh uh what, what's it is because they don't know what an appropriate commission is and part of that is because no one else is putting up work orders so you can't get a consensus price on it right like um that that combined with the inability of of crafters to put like information back into the system right like um i mean it would even work if like a craftsperson could put up like a work order that was essentially like it was like a contract on the auction house and let people bid on like how much they would they would pay for it right um that doesn't work perfectly with like the um the guaranteed quality aspects of it right like um excuse me uh because like you know you you can't like if, if you're relying on an inspiration proc you can't guarantee a certain quality or whatever but um it, it just 
again, I, I, I think, I think the primary thing this was supposed to facilitate was like people, people talking to each other again in the game instead of just kind of like logging in and like doing their stuff. But I think it's largely a failure in the, in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, so it's such the a neat system too. Thing, okay. So the interesting thing I think we've we've kind of hit on one um, interesting sort of. Uh, solution, right? Which is that the weekly is a is a bad driver of incentives, right? It it, it creates not so great incentives for folks um, to engage to engage with the system appropriately, right? Um, because the best way to to deal with that is to do the thing where you just send a bunch of dummy orders to yourself, and at that point, really, what you're doing is sort of like. I, I guess I just think that, that this is the the easiest indicator that the system is not working as intended, right? If the if the best way to sort of handle things is to just not even engage with public work orders or anything at all, um, and is more or less just to sort of farm them out to yourselves at some sort of at some sort of like negative profit for the because the the specialization points like matter a lot to you. Um But I think the interesting thing that they could do in order to sort of alleviate some of this pressure is to make dummy work orders, right? Which is to say, in the same way that in Hearthstone, right, um, in some of the very lowest ranks of Hearthstone, so, okay, to explain this, when Hearthstone, uh, when you when you first start Hearthstone now, as a completely new player, you get 25 ranks of sort of, sort of tutorialized play, right? Before you hit the actual sort of bronze, silver, you know, gold, platinum sort of progression, right? Um, and in those tutorialized ranks, you are playing against other new players who don't have a full collection, who are, you know, relatively un, you know, like unskilled, right? So that they there there are not just like people at high legend like fucking farming new new players right and one of the things that the hearthstone team will do is if there aren't enough players in that pool they will essentially list dummy players who are bots who will play with reasonable decks right and about as good and in most instances you don't even necessarily know that they are a bot um but you play these bots in order to um uh, in order to fill out the queue times, that kind of thing, right? Uh, because there isn't a huge influx of new players to to Hearthstone um, in the same that they are in the same way that there is with established players. I feel like if I was at Blizzard and I was designing a solution, the the first thing I would do was I would I would just want to start creating public work orders that are fake, uh, that are like these dummy work orders for simple items um, that would allow people to uh, complete their uh, that would allow people to sort of like complete their quest a little bit more uh, painlessly, right? Um, so that you do have a little bit more of that, you know, here's a big stack of here's a big stack of work orders that are going out, and some of them would be public. And if if I really did it correctly, I would actually want some of them to be personal, right? Like I sort of like the idea that maybe twice over a week a bot will reach out to you, and essentially hit you up for you know, this, this sort of like fake work order. But the problem is with that as a solution is what do you do with the commission? Right? Because if you include real prices with that, like real, you know, real gold with that, um, you're all of a sudden injecting a ton of gold into the system. Yeah. Um, basically kind of out of, uh, basically kind of out of nowhere. So, okay. So some ideas that just popped in my head, um, you have it be 
personal work orders from lore characters and the commission is like an item right like a special kind of like oh interesting like it's dragon order it's dragon supplies or it's I, yeah like, that's what i was gonna say is that it is dragon isle supplies it's not gold right yeah you know, um, something that has value but not you know the the same level of value that straight gold does yeah uh, i mean so the so at, at that point i think you just eliminate the weekly right because like the, the the point of the weekly is to drive is to drive people to the system so that it happens right and if you're putting out fake orders then you're kind of defeating the purpose there, right? Like maybe. Okay, so here's a, here's another interesting question though, because I would actually argue that even without the weekly, I would want this system in place. And the reason why sure. is because I think people deserve skill ups, right? Um, sure, sure. People want to be able to scale up their thing, and using a crafting order system sort of facilitates that. You know, there you go. Yeah, no, I I actually think that I actually think that's one of my my problems with the crafting system is Billalong is not maxed out at engineering yet because I don't have like the mats to kind of like craft the things that like will give me skill ups right now. Like the things that will give me skill ups right now are like things that require artisans metal, which I don't yeah. like, I don't have access of or things that require, you know, flash of inspiration or whatever the Epic item is. And I've got like, you know, three of those and I'm saving them for like when I need them for myself. Right. Like I'm not, yep. I'm not giving the, I'm not just doing that to skill up. Right. Like, um, and so I agree with I agree with you from that from that perspective, right? Like like having these things so that you can at least skill up a little bit. Honestly, the Dark Moon Fair is the one that's like been the most useful for me for that because like that's the that, that's, that's like the closest thing you get to that. Um, but you could you, you know you could you could do it that way. Um, I think another I think I think another big problem is that there's no way that, there's like no good way to establish pricing information, right? Like. Because it's all buyer offered, and the buyer like the buyer doesn't even know, right? Like, you know, how would the buyer even know what an appropriate commission would be, right? Like, like you know, and depending on the player, right? Like, you're you're, you're Timmy, and you you play like once a week, and you've got like you've got like a max, you know, after like you know seven months in the expansion, you get like a max level character, and you've got like you know a hundred gold to your name. It's like I will offer them. 50 gold and that is 50% of my gold and therefore it is a very big tip and they should be grateful, right? Like how does that person even know that that's like, you know, you know, not correct, right? Like, and you know, obviously I'm, I'm exaggerating with the amounts there, but like, there's like, like the auction house, this, this, this is again, this is a very free market thing, right? Like the existence of the market provides the pr pricing information. This market doesn't act like this doesn't actually function like a functional market because there's no way to like, to to the information doesn't the, the information is constrained and and it can't escape the the kind of like like yeah I think if I were going for the highest sort of scope version of this what I might do is create an almost an entirely new board inside of the crafting order system what which would be a publicly listed essentially directory of you know craftsmen on the server right imagine that you could walk into a building and you could search some sort of registry that said okay show me every blacksmith on the server sorted from you know best to worst or whatever like yeah. ha it has 100 skill all the way all the way sort of like down and in there you could include right so like at the top of the list you might see baron ravenhold right and i might have a little blurb like a little bio and in my bio it says hey i um a specialized legs person. If you need frostfire legs of whatever, I can guarantee those at rank five. Um, you know, 
these are my these are my prices sort of like putting putting up uh you know like a little sign right that says sort of all of those things but even that as like a sort of like outside of the idea that that would be insane scope right um the, this is the kind of thing that they would maybe have to do a whole wait a whole expansion cycle in the way that crafting orders took a whole yeah. expansion cycle in order to be sort of set up um it has it has this insane level of scope um but it would also not really deal with sort of the the supply problem right which is that well at that point all people will do is sort by whoever has the maximum blacksmithing stats and give that person all of their business right you know once you are it's sort of like this you know it's sort of like the steam algorithm or something else like that right once you are the number one in in your field you continue to be number one because the most searched person for this thing is going to be you and everyone is going to default to you because you are going to get them the best sort of stuff, right? There is very little incentive if you're 20 spots down from the top of the list, right? Maybe maybe there's a certain amount in the top five, top 10, right? This was something that, that also happened with legendaries where there were a couple of us on the server. We could all craft the legendaries um, and we were listing them. We were, we were undercutting one another. So at any individual time, anybody could sort of pick up one or the other so maybe you'd have a little bit of that right at the top of the list we're charging premiums right maybe you you drop down a little bit down the list in order to right like get get a better price in order to get a, a get a cheaper price but even then how far down do you go do you go to somebody who has less than 100 blacksmithing skill probably not do you go to somebody who doesn't have maxed out blacksmithing gear right so for instance on baron i have the black dragon touched hammer or something like that which is an epic drop that drops from a rare i paid a lot of money in order to get the, the mats for it um i have a very good version of it so i have a really high inspiration my inspiration proc on baron is like 34 percent well if somebody can see my inspiration proc rate which i kind of think that they should by the way um that means that they are incentivized to go with me over every other crafter because like I on just on average I'm going to get them I'm I'm going to get them the best stuff. And to a certain extent I think maybe that's fair and you know in the same way that we have leaderboards in World of Warcraft for the best mythic plus player on the server, we maybe have essentially leaderboards for the best crafter on the server. Um but I don't actually think that would be a satisfying system for people, right? Um I think that for a lot of people who are sort of just like middle of the road, that this would just end up frustrating them even even sort of more. Yeah, um I think I think I think part of it too is is what was it what was it gonna say about this? Um, well, I think I think I think part I think honestly the solution has to be just like go back to the auction house model, right? Like let people who give a shit enough to like make it work make it work, right? Like I think that's the only way you solve this problem in, in any sort of like satisfying way. Um, interestingly, I think a way that this might be kind of going is I've seen people. In Veldraken, in the trade chat, advertising what they can do, right? Like, and so, like, maybe this is just a backdoor way to get back to that place where, like, instead of, like, you know, shouting what they can sell, they're shouting their skills and they're, like, getting people to, like, whisper them and, like, you know, make make orders. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, um, and I think the issue is, and this is just an issue with video game crafting as, like, a thing, is, like, the reason this works in the real world is because, you know, individual pieces of things are not identical, right? Like, if you and I are both, let's say you and I were real blacksmiths, right? Like, and you commissioned us, each of us to make a sword, right? We're going to make different, like, 
slightly different things at, at best, right? Like, you know, even if even if we're trying to imitate each other, right? We're, they're going to be different, right? And someone can look at, look and say, like, I trust Mike, right? Like, I trust Mango to make a good sword because I have worked with him before and I know he does good work and I trust him and he's local and I'm willing to give him, give him my money. And that's why... Uh, you know, they don't go to you, even though you might be just as good theoretically. It's like, you know, maybe they like, you know, my style better than your style. Or maybe they like your your time, like, you know, your speediness of work better than me, right? None of that can be expressed in a video game because, like, that's, like, the, the vagaries of real life, right? And that's why this works in the real world, why this kind of thing works in the real world and why it kind of doesn't work in a video game. It's just no differentiation between something that you make and something that I make in the game, Um It'd be interesting. Yeah, like, you know, so th my dad is like the king of this stuff, right? Uh, you know, one of the things that we we did when I was when I was back home uh, is he got me these little these like little teacups, um, and I'd never seen them before, but they're little ceramic teacups, right? And on the bottom they're signed, and I can't even really see what they're signed by, but like I know that there's some craftsman out there, right? Uh, who I eventually learned was probably from Japan, some Japanese craftsmen out there who made this teacup and it is different than other teacups or mugs or whatever else, right, that, that I that I would have. They are very unique and particular sort of items. And that's part of what makes them, like, interesting, right? But at the end of the day, the only thing that is unique or interesting about the items that I make outside of their quality is there's a little tag at the bottom that says, made by Bairn, right? Yeah, no, I mean, and part of this too is, like, you know, even, even with mass market produced things, right? Like, I watch a lot of tool videos online. It's like, you know, Makita versus like, or I guess Makita is a high, Makita versus like Milwaukee, I think are like approximately the same band of tool, right? Like they have their advantages and disadvantages, right? But like one, those are rarely quantified. You, like you'll find people who do that, doing that quantification work, but much more of that sales reputation is, is based on like reputation and feeling, right? Like I'm a Milwaukee guy. Like I'm bought into that system or whatever. And I believe in Milwaukee because my dad used Milwaukee or, you know, like my first tool was in Milwaukee or I like the color blue or, or, or I think Milwaukee's red. I think Milwaukee's red. Yeah. yeah. Milwaukee's red. Makita's blue, right? Red's my favorite color. So I'm a, I'm a Milwaukee guy. And like, I have maybe some belief that it's a superior product, even if the facts don't bear that out necessarily, or even if the facts yeah. put it out a wash with, with an equivalent brand. Um, um, or, or like it, that I don't even like, you know, so for instance, one of the things I did over the weekend was I, uh, I bought a new controller. Um, I bought a new um, controller for my, like a, a new Xbox controller for my PC, right? And I had the option to get a third-party controller, right? And I'm sure that those third-party controllers are quality. They're definitely cheaper, right? The third-party controllers are 35 bucks. If I get the official Microsoft one, it was 80 bucks, right? But you know what? I paid 80 bucks. And the reason why is because I didn't want to fuck with it. I just wanted the most reliable thing. And I know that Microsoft is going to make the most reliable product for what I'm looking for. They are the, it is their system. They're making the Xbox. I'm looking for an Xbox controller that'll work with my PC. I can't go, I can't go wrong with this. And there is a certain e e amount of effort and time I would have to take in order to go, well, is this third party quality, like, you know, if this third party controller crafter, right crafter whatever um company manufacturer reputable yeah. or not right like is it is it going to break down on me what are people saying about it is there going to be some kind of like stick like i don't even want to dig into the answers to those questions i just want the reliable thing without having to dedicate any brain power to this and i'm apparently willing to pay a 45 premium in order to guarantee that right um 
and I think that like these are all sorts of decisions that kind of uh, get get hammered out when it comes to um, a know, system, the, right? Yeah, the, the virtual system. Right. World of Warcraft. Like e- even if you had like Makita shoulders and Milwaukee shoulders in the game, the differences between those would be numbers that you would see on the screen, and you would pick the one you wanted based on that, not based on kind of this like quasi faith thing that like kind of like works in the real world. Um, yep. Yeah. So you know. Makes me sad because like crafting things is a cool idea. And I think I think like maybe there's some room for like some of that stuff, and it'd have to be like all like personalization, right? Like you know, um, you know, you'd have to like allow like custom art or something, and have be like I got you know. But it's that's all that's like a whole minefield. Yeah, something I was thinking is like maybe I get to name my own item, or I get to choose like uh you know like a cosmetic or something like that. Um, like I can make I can give the item uh some sort of like particularities in the way that it like looks on a character or something like that. But at the end of the day, like all that stuff seems kind of crazy to me in terms of, um, you know, the expectations that someone might have for a piece of crafted gear, anything mechanical will immediately just be hammered out on wowhead. Right. If mm-hmm. for instance, okay. So another piece of this, right. You could maybe make the other end of this workout by increasing the value of crafted gear, right? And I would actually say that crafted gear is insanely valuable right now, but that there is a huge sort of, um, you know, one of the things we talk about is overhead, right? Overhead is a game design term for the amount of knowledge required in order to engage with the system. So for instance, League of Legends famously has a ton of overhead, right? Because in order to engage with League of Legends at a, at a sort of reasonable level, right, which we would say is kind of going into solo queue and playing rank, you need to understand every single champion and what they do. Right. You need to have a basic understanding of, okay, this is Lux. She shoots this, this and this. Right. This is Blitzcrank. You want to dodge his hooks or whatever. Right. And part of the the process that goes into teaching people League of Legends when you are introducing someone to the game is you are showing them this character for the very first time. And you're going, okay, for this guy, you want to do X, Y and Z. Right. All of this is overhead. Right. Yeah. No, and, and we're funnily enough, like we played WoW for or not WoW, League of Legends for years. And we are also we would have to re, like re get the overhead because like they they added a bunch of champions reworked a bunch that we don't know yeah. about right so like you know systems right you know for instance there's like the different elemental dragons that that influence the map in different ways there's a chemtech dragon now I don't even know I don't pay attention to this stuff it pops on my Twitter every once in a while right but these are all sort of systems that have yeah. kind of popped into the game. Um, that someone needs to get to the bottom of in order to uh, like properly interface with you know a, a, a game of League of Legends, right? Right now, if I were to walk into the game, I would have to learn a certain number of new champions because they came out after I quit, and I don't know what they do or how they work or any any of that sort of stuff. Okay, so that aside, um, there's overhead in the crafting order system that I think is keeping people from using it, which is that crafted items are very good, but the system itself is really complex, and people aren't trained in order to go to crafters to get high-quality gear, right? Like, for instance, I have a lot of friends who are very high-quality players, right? My friend Dave is one of the best players that I know. Dave, don't clip this, but Dave is one of the best players that I know, and he really enjoys Mythic Plus. He mediumly enjoys raiding, right? Raiding is pretty fun. He likes going and, and killing the bosses for the first time um, sort of thing. Um, obviously, the game needs to still support getting loot from those places, right? Um, from those bosses. Um, and so there's a lot of time and effort that gets put into you know building out the trinkets, the loot tables, all that stuff for those bosses. And for those people, why do I need to learn about crafting orders? Why don't I just... 
wait until it drops off the bus, right? I'll, I'll, pu I'll pull it out of my great vault. What, do, what, do, what does a crafting order have to do with this, right? And the real technical answer is crafting orders are probably best in slot for most people in most sort of uh, uh, like non sort of tier slots, right? Um, because number one, crafting orders can guarantee the best secondary stats for you. So that, you know, this is something people are really hyper-focused on. What are my most important secondary stats? Well, I can deterministically determine those with crafted gear, right? And number two, the crafted gear scales with quality, right? Into into pretty high item levels. So an average piece of heroic item level gear, right? Um, if I'm walking into the heroic raid, is actually going to be worse than the best piece of crafting gear I could get if I got a really good craft to get me a rank five of something, right? But a lot of people just don't know this stuff, right? They don't understand, you know, how useful it is. Um, and I think part of that is also designed into the system. And it's designed into the system from the ground up because I think the WoW designers know what it was like when they mandated people use legendaries essentially right um and how there was that this kind of insane blocker to getting into you know to getting into the game because you had legendaries that people needed to go buy off of you know the auction house in order to um in order to get that you know in order to get that stuff done and i just think that all of that kind of compounds into a series of problems for ultimately like at the end of the day being you know a, a very skilled very talented crafter on on your server yeah no i i think I, th I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there is they're trying so hard to avoid the problems of like crafted legendaries and like all this like market stuff that they've basically neutered the entire system right like mm. um like they like because you know you're, you're, you're saying right like you know those those slots are probably like non non-tier slots are probably best best in uh, best in slot right if that was like known and trained or like was available on the auction house right then all of a sudden it becomes mandatory like you like to talk about right yep. to go buy all that stuff off the auction house and all of a sudden the game is pay to win and you know and it's diablo immortal all over again burr, 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 yeah it is forever. honestly crazy to me that this has not been this has not been sort of like figured out uh, because when I look at the system, that's what I see. I can't, I like, I don't understand how people aren't going, Oh, I see. I take four pieces for my, my tier. I take two pieces for embellishments. Um, embellishments are the really desirable pe crafted pieces of crafted gear, by the way. Right. You can have a crafted piece of gear with an embellishment. That embellishment typically represents a little bit extra, right? So for instance, I have two embellished pieces. One is legs that give me haste the first time I damage something. Um, and it is uh, a belt that will do a certain amount of damage. It, it puts a dot on people, basically. Um, and when they die, they leave a little slow field underneath their feet. Um, so you have so you have your four pieces of tier, your two embellishments, right? Well, that still leaves a bunch of other pieces of gear for you to sort of like fill out as necessary. And I think at the end of the day, most of those slots probably ought to be filled out with crafted gear right outside of maybe trinkets because trinkets are very particular and there are sometimes weapons that have unique effects that don't want to do this right so for instance um there's a um uh there's a sword in noku defensive that's called strike twice that is a one-handed sword and it just has a chance on hit to attack a second time this is really good it's the best sword that any one-handed strength wielder can use right if i'm a frost death knight i really want strike twice if i'm a, a protection warrior i really want strike twice right there's some there's some of those pieces of gear but just like outside of that you know boy 
it would be really nice. It would be really good if I could, um, you know, show up and sort of like pull, pull these pieces of sort of um, uh, crafted gear that are perfectly suited and statted for me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, but you know, I think the reason people haven't figured it out is because like it requires another person, right? Like, and it requires like a significant time investment, right? Like, yep. Like, you can't just get yourself there. Like, I bet you it'll be like a couple of weeks from now, even before people are like able to consistently put out high quality gear in the right slots, right? Like, or it's going to be asked to have to be people working together. Like, I was thinking about this, right? Like, I'm thinking about trying to do some of this stuff myself. It's like, well, in order to get the best quality components, in order to make the best quality, like my, my goggles, right? I need to put like, I'm kind of like half spread, like, among a bunch of trees in engineering, because I want to be able to put like this. I want to be able to put the the like the the crafting enhancements on like my parts, so I can make the parts better. It's like I think the way the system is supposed to be working is somebody specializes in like the combat helmets, and somebody specializes in the parts, and then the combat helmets person buys the parts from the parts person, and then he's able to make the best thing, and then they everybody contributes to the ecosystem. But the problem is, I think is one, I don't think anybody wants to be the fucking parts guy. Nobody wants to be the guy who makes, like, the best fucking, uh, you know, uh, flux capacitors or whatever, or arc flux capacitors or whatever, right? Like, that's fucking boring, right? And uh, and two, like you said, I don't think people are trained like that, right? Like, people, yep. pe if people are trained for interdependence, it's only in between professions, right? Like, like I think... I think there's like four or five engineers in our guild. I think we all want the same tree first because it's the fun tree, right? It's the tree with all the toys in it, right? Um, I get this 100%. I leveled three blacksmiths back to back to back. I be, be for solely for this reason. So, okay. So, to explain this. And this, by the way, I think is another sort of failure of the system, which is that because you're so gated on the on, on your points, but you receive the lion's share of your points up front, right? You receive a huge amount of points kind of right off the bat. I went armor smithing on Baron. I went weapon smithing on Tonric. And then I, I leveled up a third character who is my demon hunter Iyer, who I, I just kind of leveled him as a lark. I was like, I want to do fun stuff on Alliance and I want to tank on Alliance. Um, this is before cross-faction in Shadowlands. So I leveled a character to 60. He was a demon hunter. He's a demon hunter tank. Um, he's Night Elf. And I was like, okay, what of my level 60 characters does not have a profession that I can give blacksmithing so that I can specialize him to make the alloys that I need for armor smithing and weapon smithing? Because the cool thing is to make your own weapons, is to make your own armor, right? Um, but you need the really high quality alloys in order, in order to do that. So I ended up leveling these three different blacksmiths, all specializing in different pieces of of the blacksmithing tree in order to, in order to, um, in order to kind of get there. Um, I absolutely think that nobody wants to be the parts guy. Um, uh, and honestly, I'm sitting here and I'm tempted to do the same thing. I have a jewel crafter. I was like, I want a jewel crafter. I want to level up a jewel crafter, someone who I can go, okay, if I need an epic gem, I can just make it myself. If I need a good gem here, I can just make it myself. Right. This is my, this is my mage Kruva. Uh, but in order to make the best epic gems, you need to have the base component gems 
right? And the way to do that is to level up your prospecting tree, right? And so I'm like, okay, am I going to level up a jewel crafter just so I can max out the prospecting tree so that I can send them all of the ore to prospect to make the best gems to then send to the guy to cut the gems into the into the gems that I want for it's like you know controlling all pieces of that process is like a, is like a fucking nightmare right um yeah and, uh, and maybe to, that's the point is it's supposed to be a nightmare so that you aren't self-sufficient so that you have to engage with other people you have to buy this stuff off the auction house i you know sure i guess but i, I think that's the idea but like the fantasy of the fucking game, uh, uh, the fantasy of being a blacksmith is building your own fucking sword from scratch right like yeah. you know you don't like even if I, you know, was okay with, like, you know, going to, I don't know, like, Savadar and being, like, make me the fucking best Arc Fox capacitors because he just, he, and I don't think he did, he specialized in that tree either, but, like, you know, even if even if I was o- okay with that, like, you know, who's going to fucking bother, right? Like, that's why I said, like, in a couple of weeks, people, like, have enough points that, like, they'll be able to do most of it themselves, and then then maybe the system will come alive, and maybe they'll learn the lesson that it just doesn't fucking work. Yeah, okay, right? so we, we don't have a ton of time left, but I did want to end on, on a hopeful note. For a while, I was actually kind of against the hate train um, on work orders, mostly because they were working out for me personally, and I didn't really see it from the other side. Um, like I said, I leveled Tonric and, and Baron to 100 blacksmithing. And it was honestly just because I was I was I think I think one thing that people don't quite understand when it comes to this stuff is how often you need to check the table. Um, I was checking the table constantly in order basically like every 10 or 15 minutes you know if i'm if i'm in a meeting i might i might log in and just check the table and then leave myself logged in and every 10 minutes after that just check the table check the table check the table that's sort of where i caught you know a lot of these a lot of these crafting orders um which is how i was able to level baron all the way to max and how i was able able to level tonric all the way to max um and one of the interesting pieces of that uh one of the interesting pieces of that kind of ended up being um this feeling of uh, you know, you just, you just sort of have to like be there and put, and put the time into it and it'll, and it'll sort of like work out. Um, but eventually I sort of read enough and, and, and talked to enough people that I kind of like understood the other, the other half of things. Uh, but I do think that as the season progresses, um, we will sort of see an expansion of the system because the, uh, the big time gate right now for a lot of people are sparks of imagination, right? Um, and primal chaos. And basically as people start engaging with alts and as they have the ability to go get four sparks of imagination right off the bat and start farming up primal chaos in order to put in crafting orders for pretty powerful gear for, you know, um, their, um, for their alts. I actually think that you might end up seeing a, a, a pretty big expansion in the demand for work orders because counterintuitively that is what happened in Shadowlands. Um, I didn't actually make most of my money selling legendaries at the beginning of a patch. Um, I would make huge, huge amounts right up front, right? Um, so, for instance, I sold that 400k legs, right? But really, the thing is, the it was the long tail that was making me money on those legendaries. It was listing legendaries for the season, and the season lasted eight months long, right? Um, and it's because... As the season progresses, as people sort of near the end of sort of the logarithmic scale of gear, gear, they start playing alts and leveling alts, and they want to get those alts geared. And now we're going to be seeing alts who have less barriers to 
Buddy? Uh, who dropped internet? Was it me or him? I think it's him. All right, well, folks at home, we are going to try and get him back. Oh, what? All right, so. Uh, anyway, the folks at home, um, we are going to vamp for a little bit. Um, suffice to say that, uh, uh, I think I agree with Buddy that in the future, uh, that these things, that, that this is going to get better. Uh, I hope at least, right? Like I said, in a couple of weeks, people will come online with their ability to like craft their own gear and there'll be more demand. I think, I think he's right about that. They will have the, that there'll be more demand for the space. I still think there are going to be problems with pricing because people aren't going to be able to, to deal with that. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think, but he's right. It's good to end on a hopeful note. Um, uh, oh, oh, okay. he, oh, you back? My Discord crashed. <laughs> Uh, okay. Here we go. Where's my thing? Uh, going. Sorry. Can, I, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my my camera set up. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I I vamped. I basically what I what I what I told the audience at home is that I also think it's hopeful. I think between my arguments about people having enough skill points online to do everything themselves and your arguments about the supply increasing that maybe it'll get better soon. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably a good place to end that particular discussion, unless you wanted to finish out your thought. Yeah, uh, the, the last thing I wanted to mention is that there are actually going to be some changes coming into the game. Um, most notably, uh, they are redu drastically reducing the amount of public work orders that any, any single person can fulfill. Uh, it's four, I think it's four Ooh. a week. Um, which does seem kind of insane to me, uh, and we'll and we'll sort of see where that goes. It might mean that you know, uh, it might mean a couple of things. It might mean that players um, uh, save their work orders for more value, right? Crafters, I mean. Um, so right now, because the work orders are essentially kind of most people aren't going to hit their aren't going to hit their limit in, in the work orders. Um, I think a lot of people just clear them. You know, just clear them. them. Yeah. yeah, but if I only have four a week that I'm willing to spend, I'm probably not going to take a 100 gold commission to make explorers, trainer, you know, whatever, like yeah. bracers or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, which I do think is pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah. That it, does that does that apply to personal orders as well, or just uh, just. The public orders. I have not, not personal orders, just public orders, okay, which I think is probably yeah, like good for for the the system as a as a whole. Yeah. So hopeful, hopeful things to look forward to. Wow, you know the Wow Dev team does try and make things better. So we'll see that. All right. Well, given that we're at the, kind of the end, natural ending point of that, buddy. Uh, how was your week? How was my week? Uh, my week was honestly pretty busy. Uh, we're gearing up, obviously, for the Rain World launch. Rain World Downpour launches on January 19th. 
which is this Thursday. Um, the uh, and so a lot of my time has just been like put into into doing doing Rain World stuff. And honestly, I've been playing a lot of Rain World. So um, I've been playing a lot of Rain World, sort of um, just to be familiar with the game and how it, and how it works. Um, and I don't know, it's it's interesting. Have you ever played Rain World? I have not, but I'm 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 interested. Well, buddy, t- tell me what platforms will Rain World be available on? Rainbow no, Jumper PC. We don't have to do a whole sales pitch, but <laughs> okay. I do appreciate it. Also, for the record, I am working on this game. It is an Akupara Games game, like that. You know, all of the all of the normal sort of caveats sort of apply to um, to all of that stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Rain World is, um, you know, Rain World comes out on Thursday, um, and and so I've been playing a bunch of that. Like we did, we did a co-op stream on Friday, which was which was pretty interesting and pretty fun because you know, Rain World the game is not built for co-op, but like modern modded it in and we have now taken that mod and made it as part of the this canonized DLC, it right yeah exactly um and it's just like very fun and and kind of and kind of goofy and doofy rain world is really interesting it's like a it is a game that i am not sure should work as well as it does i guess is, is what i would say um but there's like a lot of really neat stuff that that it does and i know that people the like some people really like really like it um Obviously, there's a there's a huge community for the game who have been kind of clamoring for for more Rain Worlds for for a while since uh, since uh, launch. So um, uh, I I would be interested to see if you if you would like it or not. One of the things that I thought is very interesting and weird is that people compare it a lot to Souls like games, even though I wouldn't say it's a souls like and it came out in 2017 which was kind of before like the really big sort of surge in souls likes um you know this would have been in like in dark souls 2 so it would have been like people would have been interested in it i think um they would have been on board and the, and and it would have been uh or maybe dark souls 3 actually yeah i think it is uh, 3 dark souls no, 3 march 24 2016 so yeah 2016 okay yeah it was dark souls 3 um like obviously i think it, it has kind of come uh, into its own uh now as you know like as elden ring has hit like new insane heights but 2016 would have been or 2017 would have been right after bloodborne right after dark souls 3 right as it's kind of like kicking into gear there's no souls mechanic there's no currency to it right the the whole point of the game is that you are playing an animal um in this in this sort of simulated ecosystem and there's a lot of different rules on how that ecosystem works and you have to sort of intuit a lot of those sorts of things um and kind of and kind of explore them um and there's like a little bit of like platforming and 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 kind of combat involved but i actually think that the thing that makes that makes rain world so sort of special is how immersive in existing in that ecosystem really is just on a pure gameplay level right um how just kind of treating yourself as a you know as both hunter and prey um is uh is just like a really fun exhilarating sort of experience uh, cause there are these, you know, I, what I was playing with, I was playing with Rachel. We were playing, uh, two very combat focused. They're called slug cats are like the, the, the sort of species, right? Um, there's one slug cat called the spear master who spawns bone spears out of his tail. And then he can throw those bone spears at a target. And when he hits, he gets food 
out of that, right? He leeches food out of the target. So he's very combat focused because the only way that he eats is by landing spears on powerful predators, right? Um, and then there's the artificer who can take a spear and turn it into an explosive spear with food. And so playing those two together meant that we were playing a lot of explosive spears and we could like really go for some of the most powerful sort of like predators in the game. But it was just like the first time that, uh, that, a, that a creature called a vulture, which is this huge, huge thing, um, appeared and attacked us and we killed it it was absolutely insane and we actually got two vultures at the exact same time and we were freaking out about it because uh you know it's just it's such a dangerous uh it's just such a dangerous creature um anyway the i don't know i think all of that kind of compounds to be really interesting um and really kind of uh really kind of complex um when it when it comes to a game i would be interested in hearing in hearing your thoughts on rain world and downpour if you if you would give it a chance i i will endeavor to give it a chance at some point in the near future yeah um, i said that the 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 game i want to do a full podcast episode on is Estrella, but i would maybe do a whole episode on on rain world that makes sense that makes sense um on my end of things um i have been I've been playing a lot of WoW, you know, as we've been talking about. Um, what things have, have come up? I, I've been going pretty hard, actually, on Solo Shuffle, which has inevitably led to me being aggravated, um, partially because of my own stupidity. Um, I didn't realize Conquest was a thing you could max out. Um, and I realized I, I, I was winning for a bit, and I was like, oh, boy, I'm doing well. And then I started losing. Or then I bought a, a weapon with Conquest, and I started losing. And then I realized that the weapon I had bought was an int weapon, and an int weapon doesn't go on my Windwalker monk. So not only do I have a weapon that that, that isn't right statted for me, but that's thirteen hundred fifty conquest that like I can't You're, get back. Yeah, you were just out. Wow, yeah. that is rough. Yeah. Well, the other I have also started learning about the other frustrations of Soul Surfful, like like um, the last game I played, which was this morning. Um, I was. The I was the top ranked player going into the match, and then I guess enough people left that the the match ended early. But I won three out of four, and I got no I got no rating change. Um, and like that happens, right? Like that's you know if you're if you are the top of the ratings pile in your particular match, you have to win all of them to go. Or you know it depends on the spread, but like you know it is hard to go up, and like so much is out of your control that like. Sometimes you don't win because your healer is not great. And, you know, yes, that sounds salty, and it kind of is. But, like, sometimes it happens, right? Like, sometimes you lose the match. Or, like, you know, one of the people in your group is doesn't have a lot of health or isn't particularly well-geared or they just forgot or something. And the way that Soul Shuffle works, um, I don't know how, how like, twos and threes work, but in, in, in Shuffle, um, if once one person goes down, the round is over. And the team that with the person that went down, it's 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 gone. It's done, right? And so like it's fun to strategize around that. Like, you know, we're gonna target the squishy hunter and try and burst him down real fast before like anybody can react to it, right? And that works sometimes. But that's also frustrating if you're on the receiving end of it, right? If you're like, you know, the warrior who's along for the ride and is perfectly competent, but just can't like, you know, pull people off of the hunter, right? Like, um, so you know, but that's that's fun. I'm, I'm, I am enjoying that still, so I've been doing a bunch of that. Um, I've also been splitting time between uh, the new God of War and Tunic, which is a, a uh, Metroidvania. That I started. I have. A, I got myself a Steam Deck for Christmas. 
Um, and I was playing it over the holidays. Super like Steam Deck is nice. Um, I partially bought it to use to play WoW on remotely, and that kind of works. But like running WoW on the Steam Deck is like not a guaranteed <laughs> endeavor. It's like I'm not getting much better performance out of it than I was out of my old laptop, which is disappointing. But like it's kind of the nature of the beast. It's not like I bet you if I played it on the Steam Deck with like a controller, uh, like a controller. Um, mod it would work better or even if i just plugged in like a keyboard and a mouse and but just played it on the tiny steam deck screen instead of like projecting it out onto a monitor it would work better but that seems painful um uh and uh but like tunic tunic is super fun super fun little metroidvania um the new god of war is fun but like apparently like incredibly large and probably gonna take me a while to get through it um the only other thing of interest i think i've done is uh, I, uh, I've watched seven of the eight episodes of the first season of The Boys, um, which is an interesting show. I'm enjoying it, but my initial impression is that it, it, it you're smirking. I, I assume you have opinions. Um, no, I'm uh, interested. I want to hear what you think, bud. Let's go. <laughs> so my impression of it is it is. This is going to sound weird, but it reminds me of Avatar Way of Water because it is more concerned with being an edgy parody than it is in doing cogent world building. And so like 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 Avatar Way of Water is more it's more concerned with its meta message of like being like edgy than it is um Avatar Way of Water I think was more concerned with its meta message of Yeah, like it's not it's not message. I get I get exactly what you mean though, right? Yeah. It's, it's concerned with its message not with its world building. Yeah. Um and so there are things that in like the world of that of that show that like make absolutely no sense for me. Also, I know the comic came out in like the nine 11 era and it's very fucking clear, right? Like I was like, oh, I, I heard it had been updated for the modern age and there's some of that, but a lot of it's kind of like, you know, Oh yeah, there are terrorists and the government wants to, you know, do stuff with like, it's, there's like very nine 11 things there. Like fucking Billy butcher, like goes off at, um, at like a religious superhero or whatever. And I'm like, wow, that's like, or like like a mid aughts, Reddit atheist talk right there, right? <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I liked the boys, but you know, my thing with the boys, like, I it was very head empty. I, I actually don't think, I I think it is it is not concerned with the message. I think it's concerned with a vibe, really. Yeah, it's, that's it's what I mean. No thoughts, head empty. Yeah, right. It's concerned with yeah. being an edgy parody more than it's concerned. Like, with, I don't like, think it actually music. has thoughts in his brain. I don't think it's actually making any kind of statement about superheroes outside of just what what if Superman was a sociopath? And it's like I okay, I guess. I I I actually like it on those terms, right? But it's sort of in the same way that I would like um I don't know. It's a good example of this. Well, I mean, so it's it's kind of like it's not even like what if Superman was a sociopath? It's like, what if like South Park level commentary on like George Bush did 9-11, but with superheroes, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, actually, yeah, 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 um, yeah. And the first episode, and the first season is interesting. The second season, I think, does have a little bit more on its mind, um, but is ultimately kind of also stupid and dumb. 
for reasons that I wouldn't be able to get into without any kind of spoilers or whatever. I have not seen the third season. I want to, though. Um, so I think I will eventually, you know, sit down and watch the third season of uh, The Boys. Because like I said, I, th- I do think it is a good show. It's just a very dumb show. Um, it's sort of stupid. It's sort of, You know, <laughs> Patrick Willems called Zack Snyder a himbo auteur because he has a really great eye for visual style. Um and uh but he doesn't really he doesn't really have cogent thoughts in his brain right he he is mostly just sort of this visual stylist i would say that's wrong i think that Zack snyder does have thoughts in his brain um but you have to just kind of be like a weird person on his wavelength in order to interpret them i guess or whatever um but i think that 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 would be the way that i would describe the boys it's a very himbo show no, so of- so honestly that's actually that's that's actually spot on because i thought there's like some fucking fantastic shots in yeah in the show right like like there, <laughs> there's a shot where like mave and um mave and and homelander are like sitting on a bench and there's just like a tree in between them right or like the shot where um Billy Butcher drives his car into the shop, which is like enough of a non spoiler, mm. right? Like that's a really cool fucking shot, right? Like, like it's like a lot of like uh, as as my girlfriend likes to ca- call it, the cinnamon topography is is is, is very good in uh in 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 the boys. So I I I love that. Aspect. By the way, that's that's that cinematography. I'm assuming. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually really funny. That's actually a really good joke. Uh, Yeah. No, that's exactly how I feel, right? That's exactly how I feel. It looks pretty, but it's dumb as hell. It's a himbo, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Maybe that changes in the third season, right? Obviously, The Boys got a lot of credit in its first two seasons, and I would not be surprised if it got smarter um, as as it went on, right? God, oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to make this take. That's sort of what happened to Rick and Morty, right? Where (laughs) the first two seasons were basically just kind of on this very low-level, you know, this this sort of, like... um, uh, low-level like parody of Back to the Future sci- science fiction story sort of stuff, but then in the third season it actually did get a little bit more complex. Um, kind of talking about how you know self-destructive, uh, like Rick's like cool guy, smart guy life is, and how actually he's sort of a piece of shit that everyone hates and should hate because he's a piece of shit. Um, it's like that that sort of maturation could happen in the third season. I just don't know yet. Uh, but those first two seasons were pretty fucking stupid. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, no, like I don't know. So this isn't like a huge spoiler, but like just like in, in terms of like the like went to the fridge and is like what the fuck is even happening type of deal, like the fridge moment. It's like one of the arcs is the company at the center of the show is trying to get superheroes into the military, and my this isn't even like a fridge moment. This is like a me sitting there and it's like. There is literally no way in any world that the fucking United States government is going to let superheroes be sold the sole domain of a single private company, right? Like, like I don't care. Like, like that's what I mean in terms of like you know, like you know, South Park level, like you know, like early aughts, like takes on things. It's like, and then the, the evil company does the thing. It's like that's that. There's no way. And even if I accept that there are private contractor superheroes out there, I don't believe for a second that there are a bunch of soups out there, right? There, You're telling me there isn't one superhero who, like, voluntarily joined the military because he believes in his country, right? Like, yeah. I get that that doesn't fit with the political commentary of the show, but it's just, like, boggles belief that, like, you know— there's no, there's no organic superhero in the military that's like doing things, right? Like, like a Captain America type character, right? Who joins the military because he loves his country or whatever. Um, yep. 
So yeah, like th- those are the types of things that just like leap out of me as like mind-bogglingly, like like you know, uh, mind-bogglingly uh, unlikely. And then like again, I don't. Or, to your point, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but then, like some of the aspects of the plot are like this seems very convoluted and not a thing that I think would act like you know like what's the actual plan here, guy? Right? Like, um, but you know, but it's a fun watch. Yep. It is definitely but a it's fun, a fun watch. watch. It's definitely a fun watch. Love Carl um, Urban. Um, <laughs> even, even though Billy Butcher as a character makes me mad, love Carl Urban. Um, Billy Butcher as a character makes you mad? Uh, just because, like, like I so. That is the point, right? Like, there, he makes several decisions that are st- stupid, but, like, that's the point, right? Like, that he's, like, a jackass, okay. right? Like, you know, but, like, th- that, but that's why, like, he's makes me mad as a character because he's supposed to make me mad as a character, right? And so, you know, bravo. Um, um, but it's also one of those things where, like, I'm pretty sure there's a character, like, there's one character that's, like, pretty unambiguously good, and I'm pretty sure he's going to have to die at some point because that's the type of show this is. I will okay. see. Yeah. Shit. All right. Well, all right. Who is the character that is unambiguously good? Mother's Milk. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. He's like, uh, he's yeah. level-headed. He's nice. He's always trying to do the right thing, right? Like, unlike everybody else who's, like, got their, flaw, you know, who's, I mean, I guess maybe Starlight, but, like, she's, like, she's not, she's, like, uh, she's, she's on a kind of different track, but, like, you know, like, he seems like like Mother's Milk seems like the uh, the, the kind of like tragedy bait. Um, uh, he's got a wife and kid, right? Um, but it's it's got a bunch of cool cameos, right? Like Haley Joel Osment showed up, and I'm like, oh, I recognize that guy. Um, so you know, but it's 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 a fun show. Okay, fair enough. Fun fact: the guy that plays translucent plays the father in Violent Night. Okay, I didn't know. I did not know that. I thought Translucent was played by Sasha Baron Cohen. No, he's played by like I might. I might be just like so fucking insanely weird, stupid. Weirdly, this show has a lot of people that I look up. Like, is that that person? And it's not right. Like, like the um, one of the marketing guys, the guy who um, he's like in like the Collateral Damage Survivors group. Um, I was like, is that Dave Chappelle? And it's not, but it looked like him for a second. Um. <laughs> and so, like, there, there's a bunch of people like that in this show, where like blink twice, and it's like, oh no, it's not actually the famous person. Okay, yeah, it was not. He was not in that. Yeah, for some reason, I just really thought that that was that was such like, a come, but Huey's dad is uh, is is Simon Pegg with an American accent, which is like a trip. Oh God, yeah, that's weird. Ooh, ah, oh, boy, are we allowed? Do you want to talk about the Harry Potter thing? Simon Pegg got. Got in in all all up in that over the over the weekend. I he plays the <laughs> honestly. I so we you you tweeted about like tweeted about it. And I tweeted back about how like I don't think any of this drama actually matters to the success of the game because mm-hmm. I don't because I don't think Twitter's real life. But I don't like Harry Potter as like a world, so I just don't care. Right? Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I actually think. The ethics of it are more fraught than they they seem on its face. I, I don't know. Maybe people get mad at me for that sort of take or whatever. Um, but like, um, 
you know, it's just like, it's just real complicated to sort of boil things down to sort of, are you giving money to a bad person who like theoretically like owns this whole thing? And I'm watching people play these like really complicated moral games about it. And I'm just like, guys, I don't know that like, you're going to be able to get to the bottom of this in a sort of like in a satisfactory way. But I also want them to be right because I do think jk rowling is transphobic i don't like her or harry potter or this game uh or i guess everything i've seen about this game it could be an amazing game and i just like don't yeah. fucking know or whatever um and so like i sort of want them to be right but i feel like i'm watching bad arguments take take place and uh, th so there's the there's the the part of me that agrees with sort of the underlying sort of like drive that these people are expressing and then there's the part of me that wants to like well, actually, if I were to steal man the other side, this is a bad argument. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. And, like, yeah, I don't particularly, like, I'm, I'm not going to go into the, the, the political end of things. I don't know enough about the J.K. Rowling thing to care because I don't like Harry Potter. I, mm. like, this is, this is the weird thing is, like, I tend to be a little bit more free speech absolutist than, than, than you do, right? I don't know the full details of what she said, but I also like initially thought she was a fucking coward when she was like Dumbledore's gay after the fact, right? And I also Oh my god, tell me about it. And like I also always thought like that the like that the goblins were like weirdly like kind of like like that's like not just a JK Rowling thing, right? Like the um the Ferengi in Star Trek are also kind of like weirdly maybe Jews, right? Like yeah. um and so like like I don't know, I always thought it was like People decided to pay attention because something else happened, right? Like I always like I always thought Harry Potter was dumb, right? Like we've talked about one of the problems I have with Quidditch as like uh like as, as a sport, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, um but you know, I also think that like, you know, you go into any of like you you're like, what if the money goes to a bad person, right? Well, like I'm sure that there's somebody at every single company at every of every single piece of thing you own that is done something bad and or has like a negative consequence. No, this is the, you know, this is the thing that I said. I, I said this about Blizzard, about the WoW stuff, um, which was uh, nobody cares if a pedophile slices their bread. And it's, and it's not because they don't care about giving money to pedophiles. It's because they don't care about bread, right? The only reason anybody cares about any of this is because they're they're paying attention to it and like looking at it but the reality is the world is going to be full of evil terrible people who do evil terrible things um and there is no amount of you know investigation that could go into understanding the contours of each and every like piece of that right um and that you know yeah like that's that's a that's yeah. a that's a complicated sort of like thing to sort of navigate which is why i sort of think that really on a on a moral level you you can't break this stuff down right yeah um, because it is like impossible to to sort of square all of the ethics away yeah no i mean like you know there, there's tons of people that are going to do evil things that are not related to the work they do whether that work is like consequential or maybe part of the message right like jk rowling is closely identified like is is the author of the Harry Potter books, right? Like, if she was, like, a cafeteria lunch lady, would you not want to eat the food she put on the tray, right? Like, obviously, there's a more personal connection because, like, because she, like, there's more personal connection between someone who writes a book than, like, you know, a server at a restaurant, but, like, you know, or, like, you know, you know, the, the classic example is, like, Suicide next at, Fo at Foxconn for the people who make iPhones, right? Like, you know, how morally culpable are you when you purchase an iPhone? Um, yep. 
How yeah, we... and you know, and I and I think that all of that, you know, it's just it's it's hard to get away with it. But at the end of the day, I you know, I guess I sort of respect the the drive to justice, right? Sure. Um, because I definitely do, you know, like there's a contrapoints video where she talks about J.K. Rowling stuff, and I, and I like that video a lot because it really does the work of sitting down, going through the points, and showing in no uncertain terms how what she's saying is both false you know like fundamentally untrue and discriminatory right fundamentally bigoted towards trans people right um and uh, and she does it with a weird amount of empathy and and sort of compassion right um in order to sort of like prove that point so it doesn't it, like i don't need i don't need it proven to me that that jk rowling is a person with some terrible views uh with whom i v would vehemently disagree right um obviously I, I have a lot of friends who are uh who are trans who i i'm sure would be really offended if I were to say, I think JK Rowling has some good points about, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> she's so, she's just gender critical, right? Like that kind of a thing. Yep. But I think it, the, the problem is, is taking that from, you know, this person is a person who says stuff that I disagree with and is, and is bigoted and discriminatory. Right. And the work this person is doing, right is um you know like is not worthy of money just because things get so so gummed up in sort of this quagmire of ethics like for instance if the if the team gets a gets a bonus right like if the if the team at whatever game studio published this um do if they get a bonus if the game does well does the moral righteousness of the individual people on that team, let's say they're all really good people, outweigh the moral detriment of putting the money in in her pocket. I, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. But I, but I, the other thing I return to is the thing that you talked about, which was at the time with the Blizzard stuff. You said I uninstalled my BattleNet, right? Because all it did for me was brought awareness of the issue and it was a pretty low effort thing for me to just get this off of my computer because i didn't want to be associated with it and in another controversy that i wanted to ask your opinion about i did the same thing which is the D, &D stuff um have you seen the stuff with the with the, the, o, the ogl the open yeah, yeah the open games license yeah yeah no absolutely i also i don't yeah, know if i had i had a D, D beyond subscription and i had forgotten about it it was one of those things you 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 sign up you use it a little you forget about it or whatever but all this stuff with the ogl it made me go oh what well, i remember that yeah okay boom and i and i cut it off because i don't you know first of all i don't use it but also secondly i don't support the you know the the proposed direction of the ogl that was that was sort of uh that was sort of being talked about especially because of how foundational that that era and and form of dnd was sort of to my uh you know inner interest in tabletop so where where, where do how, how does all of that square for for you yeah so um I mean, I think part of this has to, like, part of it has to be that, like, if this leak means that you will never play D&D &D again, then, like, there's, like, no, like, Hasbro has backpedaled on this, right? Which I think is good. Yeah. And I think at some level, you, like, you, maybe, maybe you as an individual don't, but, like, some people have to be willing to give them credit for that because otherwise mm. there's, like, no point, right? Like, you know, otherwise I might as well go ahead with the OGL 1.1 as proposed because it's not going to make a difference, Right. Um, but I also, I mostly play Pathfinder anyway. Um, they've released, or they have not released a license yet, but they are, they have announced they're going to release their own license called the Orc, 
which is funny. Um, that's also going to be an open license. Um, kind of from that perspective, um, I've read some articles about like Electric, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation. I'm gonna, I'll try and link it in the description about how like you probably don't actually need DOGL for most of the stuff that most people do with it anyway. And like by accepting the OGL, you're actually limiting yourself more than you would if you just had no license, like you had no license attached to it, right? Like, really? Um, so part of it is that like a lot, like you can't copyright game mechanics, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so, mo like the thing that the OGL basically gets you is the ability to put like compatible with five E on your on your game, and like maybe that's not even true, right? Like you might even be able to do that anyway. Um, cause like, you know, that's like an aspect of fair use. I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me on it. I will, I, again, I will try and link this electronic frontier foundation article in the description where the person who is a lawyer goes into it more. Um, but like, um, first like, but like, I know a little bit about this copyright stuff. One, cause it's an interest of mine and two, it's like big in like the open source, uh, software community. Um, sure. and, um, uh, and like, there are a bunch of licenses out there that could apply to, like they're meant for software, but you could apply them easily to a lot of different things. It's kind of like you can use this for free, just attribute or like um, you use it for free, but it can't be for commercial. And if you use this in a derivative work, you must also include this license called copyleft, right? Like the self-perpetuating license. Like if you use the thing in here, you also have to apply this license. You, you must use this license and the thing that's derived from it. And it has its own conditions on it. And then it, and you know, falls down the chain. Some of them allow for commercial use, um, it's the creative commons is the name of is the set of licenses. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they apply to non-software things. I know that they do apply to non-software things or there are ways to apply. Them. Yeah. I do know how creative commons, cause this is a game. This is just a thing I know from, from games where people will release source code. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, under, under a creative commons license. Right. Um, we, we had a game like that. That was like that, that we actually had to take off of that license because of, or I'm sorry, not take off that license. We released a product that would normally have had the license, but we couldn't use the license because it included proprietary code uh, from one of our console partners. Um, and we sent it to their legal team and we said, hey, listen, this is a game that is normally open source um, under a Creative Commons license, but technically we have some code in here that is built to interface because, you know, it was a console port. It's built to interface with your console. Is it okay for us to include that in the open source? And they said no, because the the, the that code, uh, that specific piece of their code is copyrighted, and they don't want that under a Creative Commons license. Which I thought was a really interesting edge case that I had never encountered yeah. before. But yeah. So, yeah, and you'll have you'll have things like this happen where like people will like you'll they'll release the code, but they'll have stubbed out all the proprietary things, right? So that like you know. Like, this is where that code would work. Go. It doesn't work. doesn't matter because you're not loading it onto your console because you're, you know, an individual consumer or whatever, right? Like, um, or it's kind of like, but like, you know, that's obviously more work and people generally don't want to do that. But that's like, that's why good encapsulation is important, right? Like, well, yeah. why is it's I feel like I should, I, I should, loose this in the chat. I watched a lawyer talk about this on YouTube. I actually kind of do want to do that. Um, weirdly, I have been obsessed with lawyers talking about something completely different. Um, but like, uh. Uh, when the OGL stuff happened, I just saw it immediately, and I was just like, I wonder if I have a D&D Beyond account, because it did sound like something. I was like, did I sign up for this? And I did. And it was just uh, just the inkling of it was enough to get me to get rid of it. I thought that the issue that they were going after – see, to me, you know, it, the third-party publishers was a thing, obviously. Um, but I thought um, the, the thing was uh, Critical Role. I thought when, – when I first saw this, I was like – 
oh my god, they're going after Critical Role, right? Because Critical be. Role is using yeah. is using D and D, making all this money, obviously. Um, and it, and, and you know, and this is something you and I have talked about in the past, where technically streaming a game like you should get a license like a, a specific sort of license for that right but like no one has ever really pulled that lever because of you know how detrimental it would probably be and i was like oh my god are we actually are we actually no. like doing this but people, that was just my like gut reaction right people do pull those levers right like you know like certain like nintendo's famous for pulling those levers like yeah Atlas, that, that, that is five true. yeah like pulls that lever all the time um there was like the controversy where like Firewatch specifically banned PewDiePie from streaming the game, which is like a weird thing to do, but which is which is funny because they had to specifically revoke his license because they ha they actually have a proper streaming license in their terms of service. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I know we have we have a well, our our license is mostly about music because of the way that Twitch wants you to have the rights to the music that you stream. Yeah. So we put all of our music on that special license so that you know right but you that yeah most most streaming is at the large chest of the company right they're not enforcing their copyright yeah uh, uh against you um yeah so that's what i thought i was like oh hasbro is going after critical role for using D D 5e probably critical role maybe paizo maybe cobalt press right but like that's also yeah. like is also just kind of like i don't know it's it, it is what it is. I, I don't like I said. I don't, I don't play D and D as much anymore. Um, they clearly want more control of their of their IP. They that's like the famous thing is that it's under monetized, right? Like D and D is under monetized. Um, and from like a certain perspective, I understand like how Hasbro might be upset that like Critical Role is literally giving them nothing. Um, you know, except for exposure, I guess. Uh, for like a, a a product that's raking in like millions of dollars. Um, but I don't know how you can control that, right? Like, um, and there's not really a point in it, but I think it's, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's bad. I just, you know, don't know how much. So th that was the other thing, right? So you were, you were talking about, like, you know, um, Lou in the chat is saying that, like, the OGL doesn't cover as much as the community seems to think it did. And that is very true, right? Um, part of the problem is that the way that the, 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 the civil law system works in this country is that even if they don't have a right to go after you, there's a huge deterrent effect because vindicating that right in court is expensive, right? If I wanted to sit down and write like a custom D&D &D 5e module and put it up there, the fear of being sued by wizards, even though that they probably don't have a leg to stand on, might be enough, it probably is enough for me to stop doing it. And if it isn't, them sending me a sternly worded letter is enough to get me to stop, even if they don't have like to stand on, right? Because if I have to actually go to court, that's going to cost me a lot of time and money that I don't have or care about, um, especially if I'm just doing it for fun, right? Obviously, that's a lot of bad, bad press for them, and obviously, they're running back on it because they know that, like, you know, this is a losing issue. I thought it was funny that they tried to blame it on NFTs. Um, uh, like, it felt like a very transparent kind of, like, this was about NFTs. Like, sure it was, guys. That's definitely what it was about. Now, that wasn't, like, an easy thing to scapegoat, right? Like, um, but I don't know. I yeah, wonder... uh, as it's funny because I am in this position. I guess I could talk about this a little bit publicly. I, 
I'm in this position with Akupara, right? So, for instance, one of the things that we're doing with Rainworld is um, we released the DLC price. The DLC price is 15 bucks, And then in February, we're, we're increasing the base price of the game from 20 to 25 bucks, right? This decision was made, you know, in a meeting not all that long ago. Uh, for for a bunch of different reasons, but when I but when we released that information, people went people went wild, people went crazy. They were like, "It's because of this, it's because of that." Oh, it's worth it. I can't believe you're so greedy or whatever. Um, and part of what I had to do is I had to sit down and write a response, and I basically explained. I was like, "Hey, listen, you know, there's no one." answer for why this happened is a couple of different things one the first the first price for the dlc was 20 bucks but we decided that was probably too high what we wanted to do was give people a break so we sort of swapped five dollars from you know whatever game to the other game um we pushed it out by a month so that anybody who buys rain world right around the downpour launch isn't affected by this it's only people who buy later down the line right um it helps offset some, uh, offset some business costs or whatever you know like I, I just kind of outlined a couple of very like basic sort of thoughts um and that worked out people in the rain world community like me and basically everyone is like okay well now that you explained it right like i kind of i kind of get it but boy it's it's hard right i probably spent you know a couple of hours just reading the responses seeing what people kind of were angry about and what i wanted to address and how i wanted to talk about um these sorts of things and even the question of whether i wanted to respond at all was was sort of in you know uh because it, it you know it's it's sort of just a business decision right you know yeah. and we don't I don't I don't like sitting and explaining internal business decisions to players. I don't think that that's like a, a good use of my time or their time or their interest in our in our titles obviously. Um and so I really get how writing that thing is hard, but I don't know. I I I wasn't following. I read the I read the wizard's response. I just wasn't following the thing closely enough to really grok it though. Uh at the end of the day, I just was not super um yeah. I don't know, on top of it. So, yeah. That's 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 perfectly fair. Um like I said I think it's a bad move on their port. You know, if I want to get like tinfoil hat, maybe they leaked it on purpose to get it to see what the reaction would be before they made an official announcement. Um, but you know, we'll see where it goes. Obviously, I I, I think most people are going to go. I think some people are going to go with Paizo's orc thing. I think most of them should probably go with the Creative Commons license, right? Like, um, there's there. This is an important thing in a lot of other places of the world. And I always wondered why, like, I wondered why Paizo had the OGL in their 2E handbooks. I thought it was because they thought they had to because of the ties. Like, three, like PF1E it's, needs, it is definitely built off of PF or DD 3.5, right? Yeah. And it's even enough way that I that it's reasonable for them to want to, like, put the license in there to cover their ass. I thought they had a similar reason for putting it in the 2E, but, like, you don't need a license for a lot of that stuff, right? Like... Um, like I said, a lot of it is just to kind of like entrap people, which is like a—it's not the best way to put it, but like trick people into accepting the license so that like you know, Wizards has some control over things, and like you know, you get like some paltry amount of things for 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 engaging with it. But um, yeah, um, but it's interesting because like, uh, Paizo announced Orc. Cobalt Press announced that they were doing their own game, and like the angry GM is like, I have to scrub all refer references to D and D out of my articles, and I'm gonna fast track making my own game. So you know, wow, <laughs> um, oh. yeah. So you know, like, and I'm sure, and those are like the three things that I was paying attention to. I'm sure there's like a thousand more that are like, you know, go play GURPS, right? Like, <laughs> um, speaking of which, 
Gen Con tickets go on sale on the 29th for anybody who cares. Oh, shit. <gasps> should, I, should I do Gen Con this year? Should this be the return of Gen Con, buddy? Fuck. It's actually sort of good for me to go again because I won't be in the middle of a million releases. Thank God. Uh, man, that's really interesting. Maybe I, maybe I will go to Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you are you going to be a PAX East? Oh God, that's still up in the air, man. I, okay. I don't even know. The, the question, uh, yes, is really the answer. The question is whether I'm going with a company or whether I'm going on my own. Um, okay. I haven't gotten. I guess maybe I was just sort of getting locked into going with the company because I haven't bought it like on a on a personal thing or whatever. But I really should figure that out because uh, I do want to go, um, especially because like everybody's going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Have you heard about the the? I don't want to. I don't. I, I, did you come to the the mythical um, like tasting kitchen dinner? Uh, uh, I went two year or the the year that the pandemic started. I went to that dinner. Okay. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. I also went to that dinner. Yes. I. That is the thing that like I was thinking. I was like, man, I just like wish I like I want to be able to do this right um so you know yeah yeah i am i am mildly hyped for 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 pax east we're locking in our our set i'm actually pretty interested because we're debuting uh we're debuting a game at pax east which is oh nice um so yeah yeah congratulations well uh we're way over time we are way over time (laughs) all right listen i have mythics to run okay yeah i i I kind of want to i want to run a mythic too that way i get at least one for my uh my vault and you came my key (laughs) um all right so if you'd like to uh, tell us what you thought about any of the things we talked about on this episode, you can email us at subversplaygames.com or pockets at subversplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subversplaygames um, or, or youtube.com slash at subversplaygames. Um, but you need to put that in the announcements from now on because I need to generate more YouTube clicks. I work for Google, by the True. way. Um, uh, I work for Google, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I should disclose that, right? Like, yeah. Um, not for YouTube, but it's related. Um uh, find it, find us on uh, SoundCloud. Find us on all of your podcatchers, iTunes. Rate and review us. We've got a Patreon too. All the links are in the description. That's everything I have. But do you have anything else you're looking to promote? Uh, I do have one thing I'm looking to promote tomorrow. Uh, this time tomorrow, actually, I am going to be on uh, the Completionist stream. Gerard the Completionist. Uh, he featured Rain World in Indie Land a couple of months ago, and then wanted to do another featuring around its launch. So that that's what's happening and it just so happens that i live really nearby so he was like hey do you want to like come hang out in the studio and we can and we can play downport again and i was like hell yeah let's go so tomorrow um i don't know around four or five pacific uh you know we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be streaming i'm i'm, I'm well, I'm excited to show that off. I will also be streaming on launch day. So on Rainworld launch day at 9 a.m., uh, which is the time, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, that Downpour launches, I'm going to be streaming on the Aquapar Games channel. So if you want to come see me, probably play Artificer, because he is my favorite of the Downpour Slugheads. Uh, you know, you can feel free to feel free to come there. Those are the things I want to promote. Awesome. Um, and one last thing, because I, I forgot, um, and this is a little bit of a downer, but... Um, I have talked about, speaking of lawyer YouTubers, I have talked about uh, YouTuber uh, Hoaglaw a bunch of times, but giving explainers. He had a stroke a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Uh, no. he, he appears to be recovering, or he, he, the updates from his wife that he's recovering. There is a GoFundMe uh, to help pay for some of his stuff. I will put a link to that in the description. Oh, my um, God. And I will say, um, as representative of the some Talk About Games, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, yeah. Um, 
because I want my 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 law news. Damn it! I don't like any of the other <laughs> like game. Ro- no, oh yeah, you're not ro- like uh, legal legal. He's the big one, right? So legal 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 is the big YouTube lawyer, but like the other people in like kind of like the gamer lawyer space are like Rekietta Law and like oh. Uncle of the Bailey and like I don't like Rekietta Law. I, yeah, I have not seen a lot of his stuff actually. To be fair, but the yeah. stuff I have seen seem dumb as hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Uncle of the Bailey, I think, is Canadian. Um, and so like I, I just a lot of people. Hogue is very wholesome. A lot of YouTube lawyers tend to be a little bit edgy. Um, sure. I also think that Legal Eagle is fairly wholesome, but like you know, I I just don't vibe with him as much. But I like I like Hogue, and I wish him a speedy recovery. So, um, yeah. Uh, with that, I'm going to say until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.